Africa Business Report Podcast with myself, Adam Spio, and my ever-present co-host, Jabu Mtwa. News in Sports is one of the sports organizations that is growing very well globally and is very much dedicated to the excellence of sports business across both the continent of Africa and globally as well. Jabu, who do we have for our audience today? Someone who has a very interesting look on the industry, at least in South Africa, when we look at sport, given his experience as a commercial brand and marketing entrepreneur over the past 12 years. He has had different ventures that he has taken on within the business development world and now sits as the managing director of Nielsen Sports South Africa. It's a privilege and honor to have on the Africa Business of Sport podcast, the managing director of Nielsen Sports South Africa, Dumelo Seligani. Dumelo, welcome onto the podcast. It's an honor to have you on. Edim and Jabu, wow, thank you. Thank you for the introduction. Uh, it's quite an honor to be here on your show, and I'm actually looking forward to engaging with yourselves as well as your audiences and then sharing some um, amazing insights on uh, what's currently happening within the sports industry. Thank you so much, Dumelo. And if you can just kick us off with a personal overview of your own career and how you find yourself as the managing director of Nielsen Sport, because from the many episodes that we've had speaking to many leaders across the sports industry, it can take a different sort of path to go into the sports industry. So how did you break in and how do you find yourself um, leading, you know, one of the prominent data consultancies within sport? I find this question um, quite interesting to answer all the time. Um, and the reason why is because never in my life that I ever think um, I'd be working in the sports industry as a starting point, number one. And number two, I never think I'd be leading um, a research organization within the sports industry. So obviously, as you've just mentioned, earlier, it has taken quite a bit of a turn. But to um, briefly just unpack exactly who I am and, and then how things started and how I, how I got to be in this position, um, effectively, um, right, well, from high school straight into varsity, I had prospects of being an engineer and as well as being an architect, actually, at some point, which I studied engineering and then throughout, as the years went by, I realized and decided that I don't quite enjoy that and I didn't want to be stuck within this technical world for the rest of my life. So I decided then to embark onto a different um, a journey and then I focused more within marketing and branding, um, which led me to going into the events and the activation world. So for about 10 years, I essentially did quite a few events and activations worked quite closely with a lot of uh, and big brands, if you want to call it that, that's within, within the countries, the likes of your Heineken, Rocks, Smirnoffs. And essentially, I put together um, um, great frameworks and great strategies and executing events for them, placing their products um, in front of, uh, of consumers, and obviously just making sure that we, in, that we increase and we grow that brand equity. Um, and then obviously through that, from a sports perspective, I mean, actually what I did touch on um, uh, through that experience is I did quite a few events where I hosted um, like UEFA Champions League final viewing matches, for example. And I also led, um, at the time, it was called uh, Raqqa Bola by Basmin 18, which essentially is a township having five-a-side tournament. Um, we ran for about three years consecutively. Um, essentially, we took about 136 taverns around the country and they all played five aside tournament and we had one winner each year. So that was largely driven by me from a sporting perspective. So that, that at the time, that wasn't as close as I got to sports. 
And then um, about, I was reminded now with this recent Rugby World Cup that I also hosted um, the rugby finals, the 2019 rugby finals viewing party as well. So in my eventing world, I got to work with a lot of those brands and, and that's pretty much the only time I touched into sports. And then as you would know, we were all affected by our pandemic. And I think at that point I realized, okay, I mean, eventing is not going to work for me. Um, as well as, you know, dealing with these FMCG brands, particularly liquor at the time, it just wasn't working for me. And I decided just to do a complete shift and try something new. Um, but obviously utilizing my marketing and, 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 and my strategic background to my advantage. Um, and then, yeah, that's when I delved into the world of research. I delved into the world of sports. Um, I joined Nelson Sports South Africa about two years ago, it seems. Um, I started then as a lead in the client service team. So using my background, I used to work quite closely with a lot of clients and and and, and understanding an actual um, servicing clients. So I think at the time I was a client service, senior client service manager, or client service, senior, senior client service director. I think that was the title. Um, so worked for a year and then also quickly grew within my role became commercial director and then just recently um about six months ago i was appointed as a managing director of this organization so yeah quite quite an interesting journey <laughs> and like i said i didn't realize i didn't ever think i'd land up in there but so far and i'm loving it, i'm enjoying it it really is an interesting journey and from what i see is that you've been able to join an organization that merges sports and research you briefly mentioned yeah. that news in sports Nation Sports is a sports research-based organization. Yeah. Dean, tell us what it's about in terms of the activities it does, its mission and vision and values, and share with us some of its clients within South Africa. Okay, so uh, as Nelson Sports South Africa, um, we are particularly a media monitoring agency. Um, but that in terms of like, well, one of our services, so we offer media monitoring solutions. So that's essentially taking a look at TV audience measurements, um, PR measurements, um, social media measurements, and effectively we use all of those platforms as media platforms to measure return on sponsorship investments um, for our clients. So if we work quite closely with the rights holder um, and the rights holder has got a few brands or two sponsors to answer to, and they need to be able to go and say, wow, brand A or brand B, thank you for your sponsorship of X amount of money. This throughout the season, we have generated this amount of brand exposure for you and our Nielsen's Africa report states that your ROI on your placement of your logo, either on our jersey or our car and TV, whatever the case might be, has yielded a certain value. Um, so in its basic form, that's what we do from a media monitoring perspective. So we, we service rights holders, as I've said. Um, we also service uh, uh, brands. Um, so in terms of the actual clientele we work with, I mean, we're quite close to with, with South African Rugby um, Union. We work quite close to with Kaiser Chiefs, the Pirates, Mamadou the Sundowns, Cricket South Africa. So those are just a few rights holders that we have uh, in terms of our clientele. From a brand perspective, we work with the likes of Red Bull and Toyota and on them. So there's quite a few, uh, uh, and there's quite a variety of people that we work with in terms of the different sectors. Uh, 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 across across you know the country um, and then we also quite work quite closely with broadcasters so super sports being one of them um work with HABC as well as uh, disney with yes those are just a few of the clients we service quite interesting that we've been doing servicing them for quite a while and we enjoy servicing them we enjoy providing them with a lot of research and data solutions to obviously inform any form of strategic thinking and campaigns that the business are doing 
And I think outside of that, um, and now there's six or a group of clients that you have by agencies. So quite often you find that there are agencies out there like your Leverages and your Octagons and, and, and your Playmakers that also obviously service their clients. And they'll even service like a super sports or a super specific brand. And through the agency involvement, they come up with a lot of campaigns that does then require a bit of data and research. So then we'll provide agencies with some of the research, which informs what are the planning they do for their clients from a brand perspective. And then outside of the media monitoring space, what we also pride ourselves in um, is providing obviously market research within the industry, so sports market research itself. We've got a product that we call Nielsen Fan Insights um, that essentially provides uh, a rights holders and brands and broadcasters with insights into understanding the fan. So what are fans consuming? What are fans' interests? What are fans' awareness levels into sports and, and, and various things? You know, uh, uh, what media platforms are they using to consume sports? Um, what products are they buying? What services are they using? So it's quite, uh, it's quite detailed in terms of the analysis and the type of data and insights that we try and get from the fans. Obviously, we package that into various forms of reports that provide with various stakeholders with information that we need. So. From that Nielsen Fan Insights research, you get a, a good understanding of what a football fan likes versus what a rugby fan likes versus what a cricket fan likes, you know? And obviously you can you can tailor it in, in various means and ways to also uh, 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 get a more granular view of, okay, cool, within the football fan segment, you know, how what are the various demographics that we can then use from a targeting perspective, you know? So um, what does an 18 to 25-year-old football fan uh, or consume or what is he or she interested in versus a 35 to 55 year old football fan. So it can get a bit granular. So that's part of the research that we do from an NFI perspective, which is done both, uh, well, which is done locally in South Africa, across Africa and globally with our global and um, business partners. And then we also offer strategic consulting services. So once again, we often also get clients that um, want to get a good understanding of their value. So they'll say, Hi, um, uh, I'm from X Stadium and I've got this sponsorship that I want to try and get or acquire. Um, I, however, I just don't know how to go about it. I don't know what the stadium's worth from, from a sponsor or commercial perspective. Please help us piece them together. So we'll do a full analysis of the various stadium elements, what gets exposed on TV, what gets exposed on PR, et cetera, et cetera. And we'll use all of that data to obviously craft together um, what we call a valuation report. They'll use that to then approach a sponsor and be like, hi, this Nielsen report suggests that with all the activity that we do within that year's period, we are worth 2 million or 3 million rand. And therefore, we ask you for 2 or 3 million rand. And what we will do for you as uh, a stadium owners is that we'll provide you with the return on investments or X or Y through the following activities. So we provide um, consulting services like that uh, from a valuation point of view. And yeah, I mean, the list, the list, the list could go on. Uh, uh, yeah, that's essentially what we do in the world of, of media and research. No, thank you for that informative, extensive insight into what you're doing because many might see the logo or might hear of Nielsen Sport when reading articles or reports and might not have a clear understanding of what they do. And I think you've just set that out very brilliantly. To go on to our next topic that we'd like to delve deep into with you, and it's very good that they are one of your clients, so maybe you can provide us with you know, some more insight in terms of the Springboks. And obviously myself and you being South African, we are very much happy to have this conversation. Uh, but particularly speaking yeah, about the... Champions. <laughs> Champion <laughs> conversation. 
Absolutely, Duvelo, absolutely. I know Adam is also a huge supporter of the Springboks too, so we're all on the same team. Um, to speak about the Springboks and their commercial portfolio, there are many brands that have sponsored the Springboks over the years and have went into the World Cup as their sponsors. And what one might ask themselves, what value are those sponsors now getting from their logos, getting that much visibility across the entire tournament and the different strategies and activities that were implemented in order to activate their partnership essentially with the Springboks. So how would you assess firstly their commercial performance or the partners and how happy they might be and what implication it has of a sports team winning a Rugby World Cup? What does that have in terms of tangible benefits for sponsors? Okay, cool. Um, That's a good question. Um, so I think first off, what I can say to you from a commercial point of view or from an exposure point of view, specifically off the bat of the Rugby World Cup, I and mean, I can't give you any form of media numbers or return on investment just in terms of what they've generated for the sponsors, but what we would right. do and what we, what, in fact, what we currently do and what we would do for a client like Maxari is um, traditionally, um, we would get like a portfolio, portfolio of, 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 of sponsors that they need to report to just based on whatever sponsor agreements. And as you know, and currently the Springboks sits with over 50 different sponsors, which which literally range from, you know, headline sponsors right down to those that they've got value and kind relationships with. I think at any given level of sponsorship or any given level of a partnership, um, and rights all the does owe it to their sponsors to provide them with, with a certain level of detail or reporting of their exposure. Um, otherwise, you know, why have a sponsorship if, 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 if you can't show it to someone, hey, like, this is, you know, the return that you're getting. So so as part of their role, the agreements with their sponsors, they would need to obviously go back and say, you know, the Springboks has been involved in um, the following activities throughout the year, you know, played, you know, in, in the following fixtures, the rugby champs incoming and outgoing rugby tours. They've also played in the recent Rugby World Cup and they've been featured on the following adverse. They've been collaboration with various brands and various initiatives has yielded you know specific results for you as a brand and obviously we would then go and analyze um, what we could do on, on a big broader scale is analyze that full portfolio of activity and obviously then provide Saru with a full breakdown of what their various brands have achieved or generate in terms of exposure value across all the platforms like I mentioned for so social media PR and TV from an audience and a brand exposure perspective and obviously utilizing those values, they can then go and report back to the brands and obviously generate that, that, that ROI. But what I often say to people is that um, a sponsorship is never just linear or it shouldn't be linear. So it shouldn't be, I am developer, I need, you know, one brand from you so that I can help further myself and this, this and that, you know, it, it has to be, it has to be a dynamic relationship, you know, so you can't just go. And, 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 and give someone money and give someone sponsorship and just only get from them at the end of the year. Sponsorship needs to be um, a working symbiotic relationship that's, you know, it requires engagement on a day-to-day basis, requires you to be very flexible, very agile. You know, sometimes you will be reported on or reported for something good, sometimes it'll be something bad. So you always need to be quite agile and also need to leverage that sponsorship at any, at, in, in any, at any point in time. And obviously, through both engagements from a rights holding from a brand person sponsoring, you both have an opportunity to drive up whatever those ROI names need to be at the end of of, of, of the actual set period or the actual set tournament. So from a commercial 
prospects. I mean, yes, the Springboks do who they are, and the Springboks obviously having won the, the World Cup right now. There's definitely, um, there's, I, I haven't measured it yet, unfortunately. Um, I know you're currently in, in talks with them, but there would definitely be a bit of an uptake just in terms of the exposure that all the sponsors would have received. And once again, you know, there's, the sponsors wouldn't have received that if they didn't utilize, you know, this current success to their advantage. And, and, and if they didn't hear it themselves and be like, oh, we are its brand and we are happy to have sponsored the Springboks and through their sponsorship, we are now going to do this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So from, from a commercial positioning and possibly point of view, I, I do quite think that, you know, they've done quite well and, and they'll get better and better. I'm quite sure that they have many other brands knocking on their doors now. Um, to provide and sponsor, but once again, you can't just go and accept anyone. There's also brand agreements to consider. There's exclusivity agreements to consider, and all of that stuff. So yeah, I, I think I've, I've said a lot. I'm not sure if I answered your question 100, but yeah, I just wanted to try and paint just a bigger, broader perspective behind these commercial opportunities that, that exist. Here on the Africa Business of Sport podcast, we are particularly interested in youth sports because, of course. It's what creates a sustainable model for continuously having sports on the continent. What role or initiatives that nuisance sports have for youth sports where it contributes actively to its growth? Although we do know that nuisance sports has established, you know, big brands as its partners. What is the plan for youth sports such that when the potential students athletes come to they can then get to benefit, you know, from the the opportunities with research. Well, that's quite a loaded question. <laughs> and you know, I think I think an organization such as ours, I think we we and, and I've learned this through my experience. And, and the one thing that I've learned is that like not everyone understands the importance of data. Number one, not everyone realizes that you need data. And the reason why you need it is the reason why it's so important because you can't just go and make decisions off of a whim, right? You can't just make decisions. I mean, I suppose people do, but you can't just make decisions because of a certain liking towards something, dislike towards something else, you know? And the moment you start backing yourself up with data, you know, and the more informed and the more calculated those decisions are, the more you can, you can create or frame strategic uh, uh, principles and guidelines, et cetera, et cetera, to essentially lead you to success. So what, what we... So I think Nielsen Sport, from from an offering point of view, I think we have a duty or a job to do just to constantly be in the minds and the faces of of people, of organizations, of sports entities, and just to make them understand that, you know, here is a data point and it says X about this specific topic course. Here is a data point and this is what it means. And the more we are able to do that for sports organizations, the more they would be able to realize that research is very important. They could use research to burden themselves and achieve their success. And I think... Just, just on that note alone, just on that note alone, um, uh, that, that education or that learning process and, and that constant need or ability to provide people with small nuggets of information, you know, I think that could essentially go a long way because that could then also then speak to or open up bigger research opportunities where now you get collaboration from different sectors, collaboration from different sports organizations saying, hi, and listen, wow, Nelson, that paper or that thing that you guys spoke of or later on, a few weeks ago, uh, sparked this conversation. These five stakeholders would be our interest in finding out like, what can we do to support this initiative? What can we do to improve this? Or whatever the case might be. And so I think to, 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 to try and answer your question, if I understand it correctly, I think 
We just have a job to do to try and educate and make people understand the importance of data, how you can utilize data to make better informed decisions. And, and through that, I think everybody will then utilize all of this to, 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 to create different programs or initiatives to also help themselves uh, acquire that much needed success. Now, you couldn't have put it any better. And uh, to just underscore the commitments you already have to that education aspect, or at least youth sport, I believe one of your partners are super sports schools. So yes. you have that insight into what goes on in the grassroots area. To wrap up, Dumelo, one of the things that come up when you ask individuals around the main challenges of the African sports industry, nine times out of 10, you'll hear the word data and the lack of data. So what are companies and organizations like Nielsen Sport in South Africa really trying to do to spearhead that evolution and take the industry to another level? Because if we do have better access and have more technical skills to be able to use and apply that data to ensure that sports performance increases or commercial values unlocked, then clearly the African sports industry can grow. No, I agree. I fully agree with you. And I think, um, I mean, as you've highlighted here, you know, when you talk about Africa and African sports, you know, one of the greatest challenges of data. And, and, and the reason why the data is close to non-existent, I don't want to say it's non-existent, it does exist. Um, and, and you know, with that, there's two things to address. And it's like the data that does exist, how credible is it? Not all of it is credible, but the data that does exist, you know, are, are all organizations of people that put something together just to help, you know, turn the world a little bit, you know what I mean? So, so that's what's currently happening. And I don't think that there is enough out there. Um, but what I was getting to, that's the, the issue is that it's very, very expensive, you know, to, 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 to get the necessary and required resources to collect that data, harvest it, analyze it, put it in a report, read it, gain insights, you know, just, just that that whole iterative process is is, is very costly in terms of time and very costly in terms of resources. And unfortunately, that is why um, in Africa you find that there is a lack of it. You know, so once again, I think there is an opportunity there for for for, for collaboration in in, in in many respects. You know, be it collaboration through various stakeholders, broadcasters, rightholders, whatever the case might be to start this education and to start, you know, acquiring data, albeit in, 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 in small heaps, albeit in small cycles, whatever the case might be, the more you start building and the more you can add to it, you know, the more benchmarks you're able to set and provide for, 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 for the for Africa at large. You know, so I do think that it is important that, you know, we, we acquire that data and I do think that we make it available um, as, as much as possible. Once again, there is a cost aspect to it. So if you are going to go and do research, you know, how much of it can you make available to those that either can't afford it or people that can't get their data themselves. And so there is like a balancing act that you have to do. But more importantly, I think, yeah, we, we definitely need to make sure that we teach people out there how to acquire the data and we need to be feeding data back to them as well. 100% Timelo, it's all about teaching people how to acquire the data, read the data, and then give back to the organizations that taught them. Thank you once again, Chumelo, for joining the Africa Business Support Podcast. We don't take for granted the experience and expertise that you've shared with us. Thank you. Like I said, it's, it's been a great honor being here. Um, yeah, I've gotten so comfortable. I actually feel like I can talk a lot longer, but I do know that <laughs> time, well, not sometimes, but all times, 
good things do come to an end. But yes, I look forward to joining you guys uh, once again in the future if, if ever, ever an opportunity or a need. So our audience, thank you once again for joining another episode of the Africa Business or Sport Podcast. Do not forget, do not forget to follow us on social media on Instagram at the Africa Business of Sport, on Twitter, which is now X at Africa BSP, and on LinkedIn at Africa Business of Sport Podcast. And also do us a favor, leave us a five-star rating or any rating of your choice on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well. Thank you. Bye for now.